0: Hello, everyone. This is Marjorie Papp-Steinmetz, your host for Caregivers Speak. Today, I have the opportunity and honor of welcoming back two guests that are no strangers, Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. Our topic today is finding gratitude and positive meaning in caregiving. As always, I welcome you to look on uh, the websites, the eCareDiary.com, that support this show, and on my website, MyCareGivingCoach.com. On those websites, you'll find uh, many blogs and radio shows, including those from Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Mayer. And so we invite you to do that. Barry and Julia are married, and they've been married for over 26 years. Their book, uh, AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family, was published just last year in 2016. This book is, tells the stories, and I love books that tell stories. Those are always the best. It tells the stories of nearly 150 caregivers who struggled to find caregiving's potential positive rewards. Dr. Barry Jacobs is a clinical psychologist, a family therapist, and the director of behavioral sciences for the Crosner Keystone Family Medicine Residency Program in Springfield, Pennsylvania. He is a national spokesperson on family caregiving for the American Heart Association and a blogger on family caregiving for AARP.org and the Huffington Post. He's also the author of The Emotional Guide for Caregivers, Looking Out for Yourself and Your Family While Helping an Aging Parent. And uh, Dr. Julia Mayer is a clinical psychologist as well. It must be interesting around their house. I can just only imagine them talking to each other as psychologists. Uh, Dr. Mayer is in private practice in Media, is it, uh, Julia? Media. Media, Pennsylvania, where she specializes in women's relationship issues, including family caregiving. She's the author of a novel, the 2014 novel, A Fleeting State of Mind. Dr. Julia Mayer received her doctorate in psychology from Widener University, and welcome Gary and Julia, Barry Jacobs and Julia Mayer.
1: Thanks so much, Marjorie. Wonderful to be, to be back with you.
0: Oh, it's so always so great to have you here. And today we're discussing an often unacknowledged topic, and you two have had the gumption and the guts to tackle this subject of the effect of illness and caregiving on spousal relationships. So, Dr. Mayer, let's begin with you. What prompted you to tackle this subject of caregiving challenges and the effects on spousal relationships?
2: Well, um, I, it's a number of things. So I think with couples, when when one member of the couple is taking care of the other because the other has an illness, a chronic illness, something that takes a long time, um, oftentimes the caregiver in the couple feels not like a caregiver, but just like a spouse. And they don't feel that they're supposed to get any kind of recognition or support, and often they suffer alone. And I've noticed in my practice I am seeing more and more of these situations in which couples, as they're aging, because we live longer but not always completely healthy, um, there's a caregiving spouse. So it's sort of a silent uh, group of caregivers because when they ask for help, it feels a little Uh, like they should be ashamed or something, which, of course, they should not. So um, one of our concerns is that there's an increasing number of divorces among couples as they're aging, and part of the reason has to do with the stress and strain of caregiving. So our goal is to help spousal caregivers make the most of what they're doing, and find the value and positives in what is often a very challenging and difficult situation.
0: Well, thank you both for uh, doing this. And I would also guess—let um, me just check on this with you, uh, Dr. Mayer and uh, Dr. Jacobs—that you know the the caregiving subtly changes over time. So with, with your spouse, so you know one day. Maybe some—it's a small little thing. It starts very small, often, and then builds. And so that spouse might never really start self-identifying as a caregiver. Uh, but and so it, I think that perhaps is part of the confusion. Is that? Am I on the right track with that?
2: Absolutely. You know, part of the relationship in a marriage is that you know the spouses take care of each other. So of course. That's what's going to happen. And then over time it can get to be overwhelming and isolating and all of the, the negatives that can happen with caregiving. And, and you're right, people sort of find themselves there over time. Yeah.
0: Um, Dr. Jacobs, let's talk about the dynamics created uh, when a person needs to care for an ill parent and how that puts pressure on a marriage. So we're going to shift from oh, taking care of your spouse and now to, okay, I'm taking care of mom or dad, and that certainly puts pressure on the marriage. You write about, personally about, the effects that caring for your mother put on your marriage.
1: Uh, it, it it did put pressure on our marriage. It also, I think, enhanced our marriage in different ways. Uh, so uh, in 2010, uh, actually, it was Julie's idea to move my mother and stepfather up from uh, South Florida to to live uh, in an apartment a mile from us uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania uh, in order so that we could be more involved in caring for them because at that time my stepfather had uh, Alzheimer's dementia and my mother was just becoming more frail and for the next seven years we were very the two of us were very involved in in caring for them um, my experience uh, in 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 having uh, uh, you know the, the responsibility for being available to Julia, but also caring for my mother and stepfather, was really to be you know, pulled in too many directions. And um, sometimes feeling that uh, as hard as I tried, I, I, I couldn't uh, do enough for anybody, uh, and that I was uh, coming up short as both a, a husband and, and as a son. Um, but I, I, I will say that uh, you know the fact that Julie went through this with me, that the fact that she really pitched in as much as possible to help me, And was very uh, sympathetic uh, to 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 what I was going through, and particularly in caring for my mother, uh, with whom I, I, you know, we sometimes had a contentious relationship. uh, That that you know, Julie's understanding of me and her support of me, I I think, uh, you know, made made me all the more appreciative of her. So I I think in that way, it, it, it strengthened our marriage.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure there are people. Many of our listeners today are are thinking uh, right along and empathizing with what you're saying. So after that personal experience, what are some tips? I mean, it sounds to me like there was, you you know, after moving through the tunnel and came out into the light at some point with respect to finding some balance, what are some tips you would offer for our audience for reconciling these different allegiances that you mentioned?
1: Well, I, I think you know all caregivers have to step back from from what they're doing in the day to day and really reflect on um, just just what their sense of mission is, and and part of that is really uh, taking into account what they're willing to do and what they're able to do for for in, in caring for somebody. Uh, sometimes uh, people may be able to do quite a bit, but they're really not willing to do quite a bit, um, and they have to reconcile the two. Uh, I think in the instance of a of a, a spouse caring for an aging parent. Um, I think it's very important to step back and, and really think about what am I willing and able to do for my parent, and, and, and what am I willing and able to do as a, as a spouse for my spouse, and, and how do I uh, balance those as, as best as I can, knowing full well that the balance is always going to be imperfect, and also knowing full well that the balance may shift over time as the parent becomes, uh, uh, you know, more impaired, or at, you know, at times when the marriage may need a little bit more attention. Uh, and so that there's, there's always a, a, a kind of a ref, ongoing refinement that occurs. And then I, I would say um, that it's very important for spouses to be talking with one another, um, that uh, that they make uh, time to sit and talk about how this is going, how this is affecting our marriage, and also to make sure that they pr- protect time. Uh, uh, that uh, is is not does not involve the aging parent at all, but is is, is strictly uh, for the, for the, the couple to in, to to be together and support one another and enjoy themselves and um, and so that the caregiving doesn't consume their relationship.
0: Yeah, very very well taken. And it sounds you know when you mentioned willing and able, it sounds like to me that it's so important. What you're suggesting is it's so important to. Say that to be candid with both the person you're caring for, in this case a parent, and then with your spouse. Here's what I can do. Here's what so to articulate that to the other people, and and so that and that with that clarity comes more of a of a balance.
1: I, I think when we're clear with ourselves and we communicate it to other people. Uh, even if they don't always like the choices that we're making, um, everything is above board at that point, and there's, no, there's less misunderstanding uh, and maybe a greater uh, acceptance of, of the situation as is. What sometimes gets in the way of people stepping back and reflecting on, on, about making these choices and, and essentially defining their commitments, to co- committing to, what, to certain things, but maybe deciding not to do other things, what prevents people from from reflecting that way is often guilt. The guilt. Guilt. The people feel that they're not supposed to 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 make these kinds of choices. That they're supposed to do all that's that's been, that's asked of them in order to to feel like they're a good son or, or or a good husband. But the fact is, we're we're all human, and we have we do have limitations, and that we we do need to make choices, uh, and that uh, those choices help uh, help sustain us over, over the long course of caregiving, um, and it's just being more realistic that way.
0: Yeah. Is that thing about putting your oxygen mask on first and along with the other person and sustaining yourself as well. Um, So, and I love your idea about defining space and time when you and your spouse can find time together. That is so critical rather than it just be hit and miss and, but the definition of on Tuesday night we are going to do X, Y, Z and go to a movie or whatever it is and um, and being allegiant to that promise for yourself.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think we have to be disciplined and protect that time. Uh, I, I think when we give up that time too easily, uh, then sometimes our spouse can feel that we, we don't care enough about them to, to really preserve that time together. Uh, so I, I, I think, you know, Julie and I, 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 I would love to hear your thoughts, Julie, but I, I, I think we did pretty well. I mean, there were times when um, I, I felt uh, compelled to maybe uh, stop by my mother's house and spend a little time, and, and that detracted from the time we spent together. But I, I, I'd like to think we also uh, protected time for just the two of us. Uh, even if my mother was uh, was home in her apartment, she was kind of lonesome. Uh, we, we still managed to be together
2: absolutely i I feel like we um in many ways have were a caregiving team for your mom, so there were things that I could do that you couldn't do like take her to a doctor's appointment during the day or um take her to the food shop um and then then there were things that she needed you for I think you know when when one member of a couple is taking care of a parent it's really it's better maybe to see it as both members of the couple taking care of the parent because that way they can function as a team. They can talk about what they're doing. There's compassion for one another. Uh, so it makes sense when it's a, a joint effort.
1: Yeah, they also, also can complain to one another.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, comm-
1: commiseration. I like
0: I love that, though. It's just a matter of changing your perspective on it and defining what it is, and I like the idea of we're a team. It's not just one person.
2: Mm-hmm. That's great.
0: Uh, Well, uh, Dr. Julia Mary, let's transition now to a changing role uh, when the spouse is ill and how do the dynamics of caregiving change the marriage that was once built on friendship and intimacy and now you are actually caring for this spouse. You're not part of this team caring for another person. You are now caring for that spouse. What happens then?
2: Well, the way you put it uh, is very meaningful. It can feel like you're no longer part of that marital team, and there's a lot of loss in that. And so with the people I work with in my practice, I see grief and anger and disappointment, frustration. I have a woman whose husband has uh, mild to moderate dementia, and she's angry at him because he can't pay the bills anymore, um, and he can't remember when his appointments are, and she knows why those things are true, but it was always his job to pay the bills or to fix the cars if they were. There were things that he was relied on for you know by her in their agreement, and now the agreement is different and so we talk about how it's important for the two of them to renegotiate that agreement and um, even though she may be physically doing more things because he has to he 's not really able to anymore, there are things he can do for her that would help um, so maybe he needs to be a good listener or maybe he needs to appreciate verbally when she does something for him a little more than maybe he used to when they were more balanced so there are some things people can do in a couple to shift uh their behaviors so that they can adapt to the changes without it feeling um, like such a big loss.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you you both write about and practice that key tip of acknowledging the other person and thanking them, um, both as a caregiver and a care partner. And that you both say, you know, saying a simple thank you goes an incredibly long way why is it so often so hard though? I've found it hard when I was caregiving to say thank you. Sometimes what do you, what do you do to suggest to couples to start daily acknowledgement of each other? Maybe it needs to become a practice.
2: I like that idea. I like the idea of even waking up in the morning and saying I'm grateful for you. Yeah. Um if and both people can say that even when one is the caregiver and one's the care receiver. I think sometimes it's difficult to say thank you because it reflects a need. Um, Even though that need is being met and met lovingly, it can still feel vulnerable to say thank you. when You know, perhaps when someone's already feeling vulnerable because of their chronic illness or whatever they're dealing with, then to say thank you um, can make them feel more dependent, more needy, uh, less good about themselves, ironically, because saying thank you just makes the other person feel appreciated and it's all good. But it can be hard to do.
0: Yeah. And I would like to acknowledge I think there are some family dynamics and values where people do appreciate each other, but they never say it. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where people said it. I was lucky. They appreciated, it. we all appreciate, and we also acknowledge that. But I do think that perhaps for people who have not grown up verbally acknowledge, acknowledging, this can be more difficult.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's actually uh, some research to suggest that that, that acknowledgement and uh, the care receiver acknowledges and thanks the caregiver for what he or she is doing, then the caregiver copes better. Uh, so in, in essence, you know, people, the care receivers who are, who are on the receiving end of care all the time and, and may not be very happy being on the receiving end of care can do something uh, very significant. In giving back to the caregiver, and that is just that simple thank you, uh, really can boost the, the caregiver's sense of importance their uh, and, 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 and help them not feel that their efforts are being taken for granted. Uh, so it's, I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's an extremely important practice for all of us to to incorporate into all of our relationships, but especially in, in that relationship between the caregiver and care receiver, it's even more important.
0: Yeah. Uh- Dr. Jacobs, um, you also write about the power of friendship um, as caregivers navigate all these diff- difficult uh, family dynamics. And tell us what you mean by the power of friendship.
1: I, I think, uh, you know, as Julie mentioned, when uh, when a one spouse is ill, uh, and and the, the relationship changes between sometimes called the well spouse or the ill spouse there there's uh, the relationship suffers some losses there's there's a loss of, of of intimacy often there may be a loss of of trust uh and the caregiver uh, may feel really bereft uh and oftentimes they may find uh companionship and they find um uh support uh from friends Uh, as a kind of replacement for what they're no longer getting from, uh, from the, from the ill spouse. Uh, And so uh, that, 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 that emotional support that friends provide can help a caregiver uh, keep going uh, in, in a very tough situation. Uh, The, the, uh, the, um, the alternative, unfortunately would be for uh, the caregiver to get, get less from, from the ill spouse over time and then feel uh, increasingly isolated. Uh, So, being able to turn to friends, good friends who are there for, and who, are, who understand uh, really helps uh, you know, buoy people up and, and, and keep them going.
0: That is a wonderful point, and I know that the caregivers often, because they feel like they can't get out or whatever, don't always continue to sustain friendships like they once did, Um in faith communities, as volunteers, and or even working uh, every day, and so any any tips on other than just you know think being aware that you need to get out and sustain these friendships and find a way to do that. Any other tips for how one might remember to keep friends close?
1: Uh, I I think it's hard. I I think what happens is people feel that friends don't understand or or they they feel like they don't want to impose on friends. Uh, And so they they then then don't pursue the relationships with the friends. They may not just have the availability to pursue the relationships with the friends as they once had. In the meantime, the friends sometimes don't want to intrude or they feel awkward and and uncomfortable. And so they back off. And then uh, what what unfortunately occurs then is a kind of dynamic uh, takes hold where uh, they're they're um, becoming more distant from one another. Um, I, I think that um, uh, caregivers uh, in sustaining friendship should uh, should continue to reach out as best they can. Should uh, tell friends specifically uh, how the friends could be of help to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the, th- the most common questions that, that Julie and I get when we present is, is from people who say, "I have a friend who's, who's going through this, and I don't know what to do for them. What should I do for them?" And our answer is, is almost always that the, the friend should show up and 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 and, and just be there and and uh, ask the caregiver what would what in fact would uh, would be help helpful to them because not all help is helpful um, but that when friends are attuned to what the caregiver is going through and available uh and continues to 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 provide uh real support then those friendships are enhanced they're they're not weakened and uh you know that that makes a tremendous amount of difference to to both parties, but but especially the, the caregiver uh, over time who, you know for for whom friendship may, may be the kind of saving grace in in, in dealing with, with a very arduous life.
2: And another suggestion is um, going on websites if you can't actually get away and looking at aARP's caregiver section on their website where people post about how it's going for them. there's the well spouse Association. Um, that also, um, you know, a, care, a spousal caregiver can meet other people in the same situation, and no one understands you better than someone who's doing the same thing. So oh, those that's, are
0: all great. That's great. Oh, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Julia.
2: That's okay. I was just going to say it's a, it's a way to, to feel uh, noticed and heard and, and make some new connections.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. I found that I lost some friends that mm-hmm. – I think Barry mentioned earlier, uh, sometimes there are some that are going to slide away because they find it difficult to be your friend. Maybe they weren't, all, in the beginning, a real true friend to begin with. And then others are strengthened. Your friendship is strengthened with them. So that's something I'd just like to acknowledge for our audience to say, don't be surprised when that happens. It is probably a normal part of this journey. I agree. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I have a client who I'm seeing nowadays, a woman uh, in her 60s who took t- took very good care of her mother with dementia for five years. Uh, during that time, uh, all of her friends, or she said the majority of her friends, backed off, uh, and now her mother has died. And she and some of those friends are beginning to come around and want to want to you know refriend her in a way. And uh, my client is very very uh, hurt by them and very leery of, of getting back involved with them because they weren't. In her mind, true friends, and uh, I, I, I have heard this a number of times from from clients over the years, and it's it's very sad. Um, the people who come through during the hour of need, they they are cherished and valued, and those friendships uh, really go forward. Um, though, for, for when friends are, are you know disappear, uh, it, it's it's almost uh, impossible to, to, to repair the damage that's done.
2: Yeah. But just to just to speak up for those people a little tiny bit, often they feel like they're intruding and they don't know what to do and it's scary to them. And I'm not making excuses for them, but I think a lot of times there are you know there are plenty of people who don't who wait for the caregiver to give the signal. And if the caregiver is not giving the signal, then they think they that that person's too busy for them. So I think as a caregiver, yes, you're right. You know we will you do lose friends. But before you lose them, you can reach out and give them an opportunity very specifically you know, with suggestions of what they might do and then see if they can come through because they, they may just not know what, how to proceed.
0: Terrific. I th- That's great. Thank you for that great discussion on friendship and great tips on how to keep as many friends going as possible. Again, it comes back to communication and clarity of what you need and want. And so thank you. Well, we are close uh, to the end of our show, in the next four minutes or so. Um, I wanted to, to delve into a little bit the whole issue of that, unfortunately, you note this um, in your articles, that there are, you know, sometimes high percentages of couples who divorce when they're facing a serious family illness. And you write about those who stay together, and that those who do stay together, especially, I guess, if this is a chronic illness, like many more people are experiencing these days because we're all living longer, that those who stay together seem to find a different way of loving that accommodates both the caregiver and the care partner's needs. I find this to be an intriguing thought. So... Both of you, um, whoever wants to start first, tell us what you mean by this, a different way of loving.
1: Uh, so this is an idea that we borrowed from an, a psychologist by the name of Polly Young-Eisendrath, who has who, written about this uh, in, in several of her books. Uh, the, the, this is the idea that uh, when you have a loved one who you're caring for, um, uh, a spouse who you're caring for, the relationship necessarily changes and um, the, the the kind of passionate love that you may have had for them um, may begin to fade because your relationship ends up becoming defined by the care tasks to a large degree. Um, but that uh, what uh, Dr. Young Eisenberg writes about is uh, how important it would be to find another way of relating, another another way of valuing that person, uh, a way that she calls cherishing, uh, and that is. You still uh, really have tremendous respect and admiration and, and like of that person. Uh, that person may no longer be able to meet your needs in exactly the way they did before, but you're still very attached to them and you still cherish them and want to be there for them on that basis. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have, when I read that, that concept, it, it resonated with um, uh, the clinical work that I've done. Uh, and I, I've seen a number of, of caregivers. For whom uh, their spousal relationships have changed, uh, but but managed to, to hang in there with their loved ones uh, on, on the basis of a different kind of love, essentially.
0: Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Mayer, uh, we have a. Um, any other thoughts you might have on this?
2: I, I think Barry summed it up well. I, I think one thing people do is literally take on different roles um i was we were at a conference and we were talking about how uh, a female caregiver you know basically puts on the nursing hat and maybe literally does so and does the nursing care and then maybe puts on comfortable pajamas and sits next to the husband and has that other relationship the closer more intimate relationship when she isn't directly doing the nursing kind of care and sometimes changing just a little bit makes a difference
0: yeah that's a great visual Mm -hmm. um to leave us with today. Well, you know, unfortunately we are out of time again. The the time seems to go so quickly when we're talking with you and listening to you both. Um, Today's guests have been Dr. Barry Jacobs and Dr. Julia Mayer. They are the co-authors of AARP Meditations for Caregivers, Practical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support for You and Your Family. I highly recommend it. Go on the AARP website, as Dr. Mayer suggested. Uh, Look for um, Barry Jacobs' blogs on the Huffington Post and on our websites. Um, these, These are two people really delving into some of the thornier issues of caregiving and providing wonderful tips. And I thank you both so much.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Marjorie.
0: You're welcome. It's always a delight. Uh, reminding all of our listeners who we thank as well that there will be an archive of this show that you can listen to again or encourage your friends to listen to. So thank you again, everybody out there listening, and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.